Hi, welcome to another edition of the PCRF Journal Club podcasts. With us today, we have uh, a great paper to talk about, the um, proverbial quote-unquote psych call has made never heard of before. Uh, we did this particular search. The title of the paper is Emergency Medical Services of Urban EMS Providers. It was uh, a paper by Christopher Prenner and Alisa or my name is Dave Page, and I am the director of the Prehospital Care Research Forum. We're joined with um, Rob Gurley College, who will give us an initial read off of the, the paper, uh, present the abstract, and then uh, Giles uh, on the conference call that um, on the webinar would like to participate. We would love to unmute you. Uh, psychiatric emergencies. Uh, we just recently published a mood disorders article in a free peer-reviewed online source for people to take a look. Uh, thank you for uh, FISDAP for Thanks Dave. The uh, researcher's stated objective was to examine the experiences, beliefs, and attitudes that EMS on calls that had some component, some psychiatric component to them. Um, they just uh, agency operating in a densely populated northeastern city with approximately 100,000 residents. Uh, person, the author, one of the authors, who's a former EMT, in phase one they rode along with the crews and collected observational data. It took place over four 12-hour shifts, and they utilized open-ended descriptive comments regarding providers' actions, identified emerging themes to be inquired about during the interviews. Um, the results were that they they found that study, I guess. In short, that's, that was it. Dave? Awesome. Yeah, that's uh, just I, uh, to structure our conversation, we'll just start with just a little bit of the methods and qualitative uh, research is something that we don't see a lot of in in the medical research we've at least uh, evaluated up for a minute and just say that this is a little bit different. The participant uh, actually uh, riding along or was the third person on an ambulance shift where he was already employed or had been a previous EMT and he rode along for participant observation portion was that that his observation. He then conducted 20 interviews uh, with immediately people who were involved in qualitative or quantitative research will will react with, boy, that's not a large sample size. And, and consolidating for themes is a very uh, accepted and very rigorous scientific process to or, or at least what themes uh, might be common amongst these particular providers. Uh, any some of the results? Yeah, uh, Dave, this is Megan. I, I, I think it's really important for people to um, understand qualitative method, the impression that it is uh, the kind of lesser of the types of research. Um, the, the, the and then interview other types of methods. We, we actually, I can't remember if we've reviewed an article, but uh, using focus groups is another method. Individual analysis, uh, part of this. In this um, case, they used what they, what you commonly hear as inductive, let the, the themes emerge from the data as you interview various different groups. And I think, too, it's important to understand that different areas where they self-check, 
where they check the um, their biases, where usually they state it, you know, um, pretty clearly and address, you know, the internal and external validity, reliability, you know, how much can you, you know, generalize. And I think you hit that just right on, like historical or case study, or, you know, um, you're you're going deep rather than broad. And so, um, what you, or I think most people out there would agree that um, this could probably be generalized just just by uh, by our own intuition. Just touch on that because I don't want to. Um, I think it's a mistake to automatically discount, which I do hear sometimes. Um, people do qualitative. It's words and and feelings, and um, I think that's a mistake. It can actually pr provide some uh, very valuable information, experience um, their world, uh, rather than or even a technique. For example, advanced airway instead of just looking at outcome, um, managing an airway. So anyway. Sorry, long-winded uh, discussion there, but I just wanted to jump in with methods. I uh, didn't introduce herself completely, Megan Corey. Uh, you should, uh, <laughs> um, give me your institution, Program Director at Cisco. Thank you. Um, great. And I believe Dr. Carhart, Elliot Carhart, has joined us from... Um, College of Health Sciences in Roanoke, uh, Virginia. Excellent. Um, and, yeah, and I, I agree with... Uh, with much of what Megan's inherent biases that people uh, have when they when they just think about qualitative research in general, um, and at the same time, I would say that you know there was a, a comment made about uh, generalization and the findings from a qualitative study that that qualitative research is very informative in helping us, you know, more. Uh, you know, quantitative-based questions that we can uh, test and produce evidence per se, uh, you know, at that understanding type phase and exploratory type phase. Yeah, thank you. So we're less rigorous, and that's why we're okay. harping on this concept of right, yeah. it's actually really, really important and yeah. um, different. Uh, so a mixed methods technique that would include both uh, a little bit of uh, quantitative work has uh, and so there is some numeric value to some of this but let's um there, this is a very interesting paper substance a bit of the results and the the common themes that emerge I uh, and I'll start to play devil's advocate a little bit I do uh, think it's interesting that somehow there's a blend of both intoxicated patients or substance cases, and so we've lumped this, these, all of these into this category of quote unquote psych calls, which and a lot of different, uh, very unrelated, although often found together, uh, pathophysiologies, and, and uh, it's interesting that these providers sort of associated all of these together and considered them a burden, um, considered them uh, real emergencies. And were to particularly annoyed by the concept that they would have to, in the middle of the night, uh, get out there, as the uh, shortage of psychiatric beds, which is I think common all across this country, uh, involves some. Of course, there was a concern about some of those um, uh, safety risks and uh, and the safety and the risk of being in the back of the island. But I think we we in this particular case see how providers blend all of those topics together. And what's on that? I think that was a pretty pretty accurate observation for most of EMS. I think a lot of us tend to myself. This is Jeff Anderson, by the way. 
Awesome. And Jeff, where are you from? Just to give your institution a little credit. I'm from Bossier Paris Community College in Bossier. The, the, uh, it is a little bit annoying um, and stigmatizing that we're sort of lumping people together but when we immediately associate people who are either homeless or intoxicated with people who have uh, mental comfortable blurring. Anybody else agree with me or disagree? Uh, this is Elliot, and I, I absolutely did made in, in the margin of this manuscript when I was going through reviewing was the word stigma, uh, which you know that issue itself uh, within this document, and and to me that leads me to the question of that is just innate in in you know our society and in our, our culture. Or is this something that that we're through the precepting process? Um, you know, where exactly is this being picked up? And and I think it's really important to start to maybe target that and and change a little bit of it. Go ahead, Megan, um, and then Jeff. One of the sure. One of the questions I had um, too relates back to the methodology. One of the things I didn't see in here was. The research questions that, that they mentioned early on actually lump them together. So you have what are their attitudes and beliefs about people with mentally and not lump them together in the question. Would, wouldn't we have heard or could, would we have heard more things on like schizophrenia and bipolar psychiatric conditions and w was that a product of the interview protocol? Um, and, and they actually mentioned in the end that there was no mention of suicide. Maybe there was something in the way that the questions were asked about psych patients yeah. and lumping those two things in together that we automatically directed them. Just gave there. It's a double-barreled question. We're lumping them both in and asking for a single perspective about the combination of them. I had a nice comment about uh, he's, he's feeling that perhaps this is true, but there's a significant majority of homeless problems. And not knowing the exact proportion, he says, uh, I don't know, but it's high. So. Maybe we just maybe the or frequency. Yeah. yeah, could be. Okay. Well, um, side portion uh, that that seems like a big omission here. Well, a few things. They only wrote on four shifts in one small system. Right. So I'm not yeah. sure how much they could possibly have been exposed to. How many in four? Shifts. I don't know. That was the thing that jumped out at me the most. Was just how much could you possibly? So this is Lawrence. Uh, it, it makes me wonder if we do this, and as I'm, in this case, we're talking about site calls, but we're really focusing on, to put it bluntly, site calls that annoy us and the things that we actually respond to and perceive as not annoying and people really in trouble, and we with trauma patients, uh, the, the drunk driver is perceived differently than the other person who's in a but, or maybe I'm wrong, I'm curious what people think about that. But, you know, I think, uh, Lawrence, this, it kind of goes back to perspective, and if, if you go under the results section, there's a, uh, a comment that says uh, they, they struggled to frame people with mental using EMS services, fundamentally questioning whether site calls were real emergencies. Oh, I, I want to give we need to reevaluate this whole concept of real emergencies and and 
and, and what we I think people think, well, I can't give them a drug, I can't, I can't defibrillate them, or I can't get them to a trauma center. So what's yeah. the point? Uh, uh, well described in this new EMS reference um, mood disorder uh, article, but some people really stigmatize in the ambulance, and I must be sick. So even though I may have just depression, that that doesn't feel like uh, like I, I'm being. Uh, I would question whether a police officer. Uh, you know, would have the amount of medical training needed to identify an attitude or a change in in the physical capability of somebody if they have a medical emergency, if their sugar is low, if they have oh, police officers are extremely well versed dealing with behavioral problems. That there is a medical component and a, and a uh, need to be locked in the back of a squad car, uh, uh, but more people who deserve uh, are addresses it. Maybe, you know, people think uh, they're better off in a cop car. Well, Dave, I think a lot about how to deal with these types of patients. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to get frustrated when you're not sure what to do in the back of the ambulance with these guys, and so I think that that's part of it, more comfortable. Yeah, you know, it ever was for a company that our primary purpose was psychiatric interfacility transport and then we ran back facility transport and so that you know I guess my foundational experience uh, led me to a different perspective of the situation and saw the the perspectives of my peers and, and the backgrounds that they came up through um, you know there was a stark difference and so I think it does you know mostly comes down to uh, a, a matter of education and how we uh, you know, begin to frame this. Uh, hey, Dave, this is Keith Monoski. Uh, may I make a comment? Yeah, please, and, and tell us where you're from. Just g give credit. Yeah, okay, thank you. Uh, I find this discussion to be most interesting. Um, I, I think you guys have hit the nail right on the head regarding the, the social service providers are unfortunate to have received a paucity of, uh, of education in that area. Um, I, I, as you can see, the curriculum guidelines really has, has little content related to psych emergencies. Uh, but what we've done in our program is we've introduced very, very extensive with uh, a comprehensive mental health uh, group. And that has led to a, a considerable, and it makes the students, ultimately once they become paramedics, of course, to become more comfortable with the psych patient. And I'm wondering if this shouldn't be education. I'd be interested to hear your comments on that as well. You know, Keith, the one thing I would say is that we do, uh, you know, something educational institution is, uh, you know, falls under the umbrella of a, a very large healthcare system, uh, and we have, uh, you know, psychiatric type uh, settings, and our students, perhaps it is the stigma that they walk into it, got a benefit out of it, and it's one that we see uh, more complaints from preceptors about the uh, the experiences. And, and you know maybe that's a you know a programmatic issue that we need to redirect and change you know our approach, but yet hasn't been successful for us yet. Yeah, I, I think that throwing paramedic students into homeless shelters and 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 so then you know people are there and they don't really know what they're doing and they're exposed to a population they think they don't really like uh, and checking for blood pressures. I'm I'm liking what Keith is saying about actually having some purpose to it and um, to uh, a depth of understanding and educational objectives. Um, I agree.
uh, I'd like to just air out what, because they're coming fast and furious, so it seems like we've hit some, some points that people enjoy here, but uh, Paul was kind enough to find some numbers here, 34.7% of sheltered adults, i.e. homeless people who go to shelter, occurring substance abuse problems. So um, I would say that's half and a little uh, mental illness, at least the ones in shelters. I wouldn't call that necessarily a majority, and and, and then uh, I saw here 18.5% of uh, U.S. adults have some sort of mental illness, uh, and that um, that's they air those out to make sure people people got the benefit of all the comments that are going on online, and. Uh, Paul Masasi here, finding clinical time in a behavioral health system is very difficult because of uh, because nursing programs get priority. I'm I'm fat get uh, paramedic students into even group therapy sessions because of concerns that there's you know there's some sort of privacy issue, uh, very little exposure, very little understanding, and just lumping everything together, which uh, clearly is that these quote psych calls turn into a large majority of calls if you start putting in substance abuse, you know. But, you know, we haven't really hit yet is the geriatric population and, and you know, the graying of America and, and, you know, the stats showing that order of our population or, you know, whatever exact stat you want to lock onto, but it's a drastic, drastic number of, you know, of, that have an even greater demand than maybe the general population for some sort of mental health type that's just going to compound the problem, and that's just another aspect of this that is going to need to be addressed. Is there, uh, the community paramedic has taken on a role to sort of uh, at least, if not transport the behavioral health, get follow-up care, and maybe don't end up back in the system in the same way, or maybe uh, assessed and referred to a center that's not an emergency to a community paramedic role. Uh, it, at least in our system, those are people who have lots of experience. It, it dedicated to that. I think Santa Barbara AMR did that for a while. Yeah. But in fact, um, uh, shouldn't every EMS intervention with every single case? I mean, don't we all have a bit of mental illness when we call 911? We're all in crisis. Overcome the stigma of mental illness that that is kind of rampant in your typical EMS provider, type A pre. Whereas that EMS provider, even if it's a, a more experienced clinician that that migrates toward, might not be so much influenced by that kind of stigma and might be more open-minded and, and receptive to providing the patient's need. And, and maybe that is a model that is, you know, uh, something that can appropriately intervene against this. San Francisco, we had a, a program going on really led by one uh, individual, Niels Tangerlini, who was uh, running a, around frequent users of EMS and was showing some very important results um, and was publishing a few uh, papers on this until um, a few things occurred. And, and they weren't deaths in the field or anything like that, but they were more system related. And he received very little system issue here. I mean, if we believe, like the article does a really good job of, of um, pointing out that EMS providers can strongly influence um, but there was also a larger system issue that uh, they highlighted other articles and areas uh, with um, stigma or, or had the same results as, as this paper did. Um, I think that, that there's a larger system in the classroom.
And, and Megan, I, I was going to say the same thing, and it's even beyond a system issue. It's a system. Do, do many of uh, the people have uh, specific psychiatric EDs and how widespread that is? Uh, that's a very good question. I, I don't uh, know. It has been very, very short for, for keeping patients with mental illness hospitalized, and so the, the number of then, but emergency departments focused on that. Uh, what we what we've seen more often than not is now heavy, you know, jail-like doors that separate, you know, different rooms and have armed presence in there. So there's a there's a worse stigma about you know so you're feeling depressed and now you're going to go to a room that has you know that looks like uh, or a particular color of of, of uh, uh, scrubs in in the case of one hospital so that if you're if you're running down to try and normalize the experience of hey we all have uh, moments in our lives where things are not good I think and and wonder if if uh, people agree with this I you know we we're about to do a panel at EMS Expo regarding suicide and in this paper does such a great job of digging into the way we think of, that I wonder if we have a huge problem in, in and of itself with our own people not not seek mental health in general being fatigued working long hours not eating well and and then uh, exposed repeatedly to stress okay I'm not scared um, stigmatization. I don't think it's EMS specific. I think you would find the same as true of doctors and dentists and police officers. Society, we have this, oh, come on, pull it together, suck it up, get on with life attitude. Um, and half of my family members take that approach to it. Uh, she just needs to get her shit together. So um, more than an EMS level, EMS specific level. Uh, Lawrence, this is Keith. I agree with you completely. I think the root of the problem really proposed was kind of interesting too in that uh, it seems like the EMS providers who are experiencing undue stress, but um, what resources exist for that? If I'm not mistaken, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought the uh, CISD approach to uh, not even uh, supported by the uh, American um, uh, psychology, whatever that, that uh, that's what it is. So um, you know, there might be something to this. That that maybe there is. There are some triggers out there that are going to. Well, that's a very interesting can of worms that you've opened up in terms of CISM. What I'm passion fatigue and and uh, and resilience and the concept of giving people tools to sort of identify when they expose to those kinds of events to sort of be able to self-regulate uh, and maybe even self-medicate, not with alcohol, but to to reach out to people and talk about what, what it is that their perceptions are uh, so that when they bounce back, they can anger on patients who are uh, suicidal. I, I'm afraid, uh, Lawrence, I, I am afraid. I see my part, we get, you know, we'll get one of these calls just so that we can get into a fight just because, you know, I hope we get into a good fight today almost out of fresh, uh, some some sort of, set of sense of, of uh, performance, job performance or, or, or 
accomplishment and it gets very unhealthy the 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 you know the 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 stigmatism around well the paramedic student can start a for someone who's suicidal who needs to be taught a lesson we're just you know uh, doing horrible care that that uh, reinforces their own beliefs that they're not worthy so it's um it's people act upon these thoughts that are sir care or or even uh, aggress upon them so Wow. So now that, no. <laughs> that 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 is scary, but hopefully, well, hopefully those are rare events. It does make me wonder. Illness has become better acknowledged and better recognized uh, in society. Have we? Great question. And as we advance our EMS system, could we agree that, and and can't change our curriculums and can't educate our students and our future uh, doomed to go down a path in which maybe EMS isn't serving this population and shame as there are many who uh, intervenes with more experience, expertise, and desire to work with this group. So not deal with this big um, I think uh, Keith said something earlier, I think it, uh, for educators it hits it right on the head, and that was uh, rotations. Uh, we have the same issue. We have a rotation that I think is a, a terrific opportunity at our sobering center and then another in our psychiatric emergency. Some to define in terms of uh, the student learning outcomes, and we found ourselves having to regroup this year and sit down. We still have to do it and try and figure out what graduates into other people for ideas on how to develop clear learning outcomes for this. I know that sounds like a small piece, but I think that that's at least a start rotations. That sounds awesome, Megan. I think, too, involving the, the, the EMS agencies in the area, if the preceptors and the agency culture don't reinforce that, it's going to be gone. Oh, that's so uh, true. Uh, that's one of the frustrations with all of this type of... Great comments, and um, <clears throat> if the audience has questions, please don't hesitate to jump in. I see lots of great, he says, uh, mind, body, skills, education, and uh, Bill Toon, uh, a research, another shortcoming of the curriculum. Uh, I, I can't agree with you more. I think, uh, you know, we, we just don't address, elaborate on them either. There's not a, a, a great plethora of information in these, and, and we end up searching the project is uh, so valuable is because we can fill in some of these gaps and I have to just say when we first published all over the world uh, uh, asking us to remove the word commit uh, that, the, that the term commitment concept of committing suicide or committing somebody to uh, you know um, the, the locked ward amortizing and uh, and I I thought um, I I'd never heard of that. So have other people encountered that same kind? Well, I'll this take that. Jeff, I have not. Yeah. I'll take that silence to be as, uh, is uh, stigmatizing. But it uh, it did come up in a in a discussion online, and um, I I would encourage uh, maybe there's a point there to be had. There's, um, uh, there's just a few more links that are tuned in, so uh, we really appreciate those. Any, um, any parting thoughts here? I'm, I'm really happy to signal uh, that is rather obscure and will probably not see the light of day 
had it not been at least to be part of this podcast, I, I want to um, encourage people to send us uh, interesting articles like poetry and, um, and the fact that an EMS paper would have been published there uh, is just a E15. You can, you can um, uh, have your librarian help you pull that up and, and we, knew, we do need your contributions. I thought this conversation would be a lot more heated, to be quite honest. We need uh, Dr. Wesley on the phone asking us why I even bother with psychiatric uh, a little dig. <laughs> well, this is Jeff. Um, I think the, the, your comment about the curriculum and, and Dr. Toon's comment about the, the ed standards we have now, I guess they're not new, is that it's just a floor. It's not a ceiling, and so we as educators can take things like this and we can see things will be on the National Registry exam. And I think this would be a classic example of something we should do better at. And we don't have to wait for permission. We can do it now. Any other parting thoughts from, from folks? I, I would just say that, yes, we can do it now and disseminate it so that everybody else can benefit from that knowledge and possibly reproduce that so that it's not a I, I agree. This is Keith again. Uh, I agree with Elliot and Jeff both. Um, it, it, even though the curriculum stand concerns me, I guess, is that if we do something in excess of that that proves to be successful, uh, as Elliot suggested, it'd be a, a fractioning, if you would, of EMS care across the nation. It, it'd be nice to know that all paramedics receive similar. Sure, that's on anyone's agenda at this point. Great comments. Uh, it looks like um, Bill has a comment uh, um, as well, uh, Nora, I believe. Uh, Paul Masasi, by calling uh, mental health social service professionals to pay attention to or at least not to neglect the EMS role, the uh, current curriculum just simply doesn't prepare the, the, the providers to do the job, what the job really is, and uh, a tremendous impact. I'm hoping that a young researcher out there is going to uh, send the PCRF a great app students' attitudes as they come into school and how they change through paramedic school, but more importantly, showing how much good health research we know that 15 minutes of uh, intervention by a, cri a trained crisis intervener, a crisis intervention technician, not aid uh, slash uh, uh, the, the prepping of the patient so that the the care that they then uh, receive and that, that even our communication, our therapeutic communication, which we do so well when someone's having a, a STEMI uh, or aesthetically, and we know that makes a huge difference in the amount of uh, perception of pain as well as uh, later sequela in the hospital can't seem to transition from the medical world into just psychiatric uh, part and an idle issue, but uh, from a therapeutic standpoint, we, we better let our providers know that they're making a huge difference and, and a positive. All right, well, uh, once again, a fascinating uh, uh, conversation. Anything else that you'd like to share? And we would love to put it up there. We'll try uh, again and again to have the actual, um, uh, we have the next PCRF podcast scheduled for next month. And please uh, disseminate that. Have your. Uh, we would love to hear from everybody, and uh, really appreciate the people who came on on the line and made. Uh, uh, so, thank you again for joining us on another pre-hospital care research forum journal club. <laughs>